In this country, some truths aren't self-evident. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Michelle Mission. Two Men, One Podcast, Every Black Film Ever Made. My name is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Triple of Black Tribbles fame. And as always, I am joined by my partner. Hey, this is Vincent Williams. It's also Wednesdays 8 to 10 on G-Town Radio. Tonight, we are bringing you a very special episode as we review Spike Lee's Mo Better Blues. Mm. And no better way than to review Mo Better Blues than with the Mo Better Woman herself. It is Mixologist Supreme here in Philadelphia. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up to at Whatcha Drinking on Twitter, Summer Willow Fitch. What's going on, Summer? Hello, family. How are you? We are good. We are good. We are good. This is a wonderful night. You know, like Summer... You know what? We did we did our live event at Amalgams for when we uh did the the Abbey screening. The mm-hmm. screening of Abbey, that, that crazy <laughs> crazy, crazy film. Crazy film. And and Summer, you were our mixologist for the evening. Yes. Mm-hmm. You yes. put together uh two delicious concoctions, the black punch and the melted witch. Yes. Which both went over like gangbusters. Everybody loved that melted witch. Yeah, that was yeah, really that was good. good stuff. That had some people on the floor. I was about to say we <laughs> they had, melted. I had to be easy. We had to do a <laughs> podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, <laughs> let me tell y'all something. <laughs> <laughs> that Abby girl, oh Abby, she's uh, a mess. She's a whole mess. <laughs> um, and then that went over so well that uh, the Black Tribbles we did an event at Amalgams um, for the Black Speculative Arts Movement. And Summer came back back. and made more Melted Witch for that. We had a Tribe Called Quest listening party. Which was dope. Yeah, DJ uh, Femstar. Femstar. Femstar, shout. Um, So so I feel like you have become like almost like the distaff third member of the Michelle Mission. Mm. Wow. That's all right. That feels like love. It is. And I appreciate it. It is. It is an honor. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. It's my it's my pleasure to serve you. Oh, well, thank you. Well, yes. So, and, and speaking of serving, um, you know, as a mixologist, mm-hmm. you actually put together a very special concoction. For I really, season. really did. I really did. I listened to you uh, tell me about your drinks of choice, your liquor of choice. Yeah, and everybody coming at my neck because I like vodka. Yeah, man. I mean, listen, there is nothing wrong with vodka, but I mean, <laughs> bruh, what brown liquor is where it's at. I'm just saying. I mean, okay, what? Why? Because it's it's so classy and smooth, and you can sip on it and have many a conversation. I do. 
Well, I mean, vodka makes you want to have a bar fight. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, first of all, as much as I do like vodka, and my what, daddy said you gotta leave them sweet drinks alone. Ooh. As much as I do like vodka, and yet maybe your daddy would be mad at me. My actual, my actual drink of choice. Mm-hmm. Is a Long Island iced tea. Oh, you just want it all, huh? I like Long no Island iced tea. You just like, want to go really now, wild. Is, is that bad? Is is that is, no. is, is that not bad? Is that wrong for a man of my age to no. drink a Long Island iced tea? I'm going to say yes. I don't. That's a young man's drink. Like, I can't afford to really buy any liquor, so I get a Long Island iced tea, and I'm going to get one of them. <laughs> No, I don't get one. I drink like about two or three. See, the fact that you need to think drink two or three, you should think about that. Why? <laughs> and just drink some brown liquor. Just drink, drink some whiskey. No, just I mean, I usually I, I usually drink about, depending on how, you know, depending on where I'm at and how they're making it, mm-hmm. I usually drink maybe two. Okay. Well, what's wrong with that? I'm Nothing's wrong. Enough. We're not judging. This no, yes, no you are. There is there's all, there's See, here's all the judgment difference. in your face. I'm <laughs> judging and I'm telling you to your face I'm judging. <laughs> I'm so glad we're taping wow. this because when you listen to this podcast, when Summer said, we're not judging, she's completely judging. I am not I judging. I know. The intonation of her voice is <laughs> all judgment. We're not judging. We're not judging, judge. We're judge, not judging. Judge. <laughs> At least I told you to your face. I'm just saying. There's other things to drink. I'm going to put you out. Well, I bought something tonight to kind of try to ease you into some liquor. Okay, so no. Some brown liquor. See, the fact that she's easing you in, you know, she she just called you a little sorority girl. I know. She she tried to ski-wee me into some. So, ooh, that's bad. Okay, so listen. Would you like to know what you're about to drink? Yes. Before you get into it. Yes. So what is what is this that I have? Here? So I figured I'd just name it the Mo Better just for, you know, the occasion. All right. Nice. How's that? Yeah, I like that. That's very good. Okay. Make some Mo Better. Make the Mo Better. So what you're drinking is I made a little festive drink for tonight. It is the Mo Better mm-hmm. made with Knob Creek. Mm. Yeah, that's the good whiskey. stuff. That's the good it's stuff. It's a hundred proof, my friend. No, so I'm you that. know I'm with it. I didn't go easy on you either. Mm. Well, maybe a little bit. <laughs> so so what you're drinking is cranberry sauce. Actual cranberry sauce. Yes. Cranberry sauce. Don't tell me you got your Thanksgiving leftovers. Thanksgiving in my leftovers cup. are in your in your cup. Um you have some some whiskey. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're gonna put like a half ounce, I mean I'm sorry, an ounce and a half mm-hmm. of the whiskey. Mm-hmm. Ginger. I grated ginger into your glass. Oh really? Nice. I did. I also balanced it out with some ginger ale. Okay. And I put a little squeeze of lime. All right. And it's garnished with lime and orange. Nice. And it looks so pretty. It, it does, does look, look pretty. pretty. It looks so pretty. It, it is. Does. And a couple cubes, a little couple ice cubes, but you know, that's just because there's other stuff in here. Right. right. All right. So, so, so this is the Mo Better, which I am drinking, but Vince, yeah. speaking of pussy. Yeah, no. Vince can't drink. I'm, I'm not feeling well, and I we, 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 my tummy hurt. My, 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 my tummy does hurt. My whole house oh. is throwing up, and it's, it's, it's like the first hour and a half of the exorcist in there. So I'm trying to, you know. All right, so let me. Try. Well, we have ginger ale for you. I know, and I had some ginger, and thank you. That helps. That set. That helps settle my tum tum. We got some ginger ale. I'm gonna go and have some dry saltine crack. <laughs> Settle my tum tum. That sounds horrible. <laughs> so here you go. Here's to you. Cheers to you, buddy. Yes. Cheers. And to you. And to and, and, and to you. Mhm. Mhm. That's good to me. That's really good. Mm-hmm. I like Look that. Look at him. Look at his face. He's like, that's not vodka. <laughs> it's not vodka. 
<laughs> but it's good though. It it's is, good. It's, it's, a little, it's a little. Uh, I gotta get these ice cubes out. I'm not used to ice cubes. <laughs> you don't want to behave yourself ice cubes. Well, I did it to be friends with you. <laughs> <laughs> that means she thought you needed the ice to cut it a little yeah. bit, right? Yeah. You need to cut it. That means she usually just takes a straw to the knobs creek. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. True, true, true. <laughs> That's what that means. All right, so let's get into this. Let's get into um from from nineteen ninety. Nineteen ninety. Mo better blues. Yeah. I want a man who knows what he wants. I know what I want. My music, everything else is secondary. What you and I do is not make love. <laughs> what would you call it, Dad? It's definitely not making love. You ever heard of the Mo Better? Mo what? Mo Better makes it Mo Better. What about Delvis? I like her too. I like women. You said it was annoying in one shot, they wear the same dress and the same day and see each other. Like it or not, you're a dog. You're a good doggy, but you're a dog nonetheless. Get off! What? What did you call me? Like, how in the hell can you call me by her name? Boy, they got all kind of people in this club tonight. Look at that little ugly guy at the bar. Huh? Hey, fella! <laughs> Trying to sneak in here in the color section. I see you. He's a horrible manager. Everybody can see that but you. The midget should go bleak. You know my name is Giant. Every night we go over this. Look, Giant is my friend. Giant? I mean, that's a joke. Is that a joke? It's a joke. We couldn't manage a little league thing. Minor league. You keep coming up short. You No, 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 no. It's because she's white. Is she white? Because she's white. Yes. Oh. Yeah, she's a nun. Won't give me none. Ain't had none. Oh, she didn't. She didn't need none. Pirates are playing the Mets in the doubleheader. Give me the Pirates in both games and Mets need some more black ball players. What, are you gambling again? How much you owe? Don't break him. Let's give him a break. Break his legs, his arms. People are listening. Everybody's deaf. People Brother, ain't nobody listening. People are you got listening voice. to my voice. My voice. You put them lips on the trumpet. Academy Award winner Denzel Washington in a new film from Spike Lee. We thank you for coming because you didn't have to come. You could have stayed home and uh, watched Arsenio Hall or something. <laughs> Mo Better Blues. Okay. So this is Spike Lee's fourth film. If, if anyone yes. who listen, you know, I, I sort of affectionately refer to this as part of what I call the Spike Six, six. Yes. because I put Spike Lee's first six films. Look at her listening to the against show. anyone's first six films. This is the film <laughs> between his magnum opus, "Do the Right Thing," mm, mm-hmm. and uh, "Jungle Fever," nineteen ninety. This is a film about the trumpet player, uh, Bleak Gilliam, played by a fairly young Denzel Washington yes, mm-hmm. and his band, the Bleak Gilliam Quintet. Okay. Uh, some of the members of that band include Shadow Henderson, played by a young Wesley Snipes. Wow. And and 
as they go through their life as musicians, Bleak is juggling his musical career with uh, two women, Clark Bentoncourt, played by um, Cinda Williams. Williams in her in her first role. in her yeah. first role, and Indigo played by Spike Lee's sister Joie Lee. Other notable um, people in this film, of course, is his manager slash best friend Giant, played by Spike Lee. Nineteen uh, nineties. Mo Better Blues. So, as we always ask, Summer, why did you pick Mo Better Blues? Oh, man. I really love this film. I always love this film. And when I was watching it in 1990, you know, as I watch it when I get older, I'm like, I probably shouldn't have seen mm. that mm. at all. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit much, but um, um, particularly the music. Mm. was a draw. Yeah. Um, the music was phenomenal. The cinematography mm. was freaking amazing. And it was about relationships, which is my other kind of shtick. So um it was a nice it was a nice combination of all the things that I love. Mm. I feel you on that. Yeah. This was considering that it follows do the right thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh this was a film that like you say is about relationship it really is a small film in that way mm-hmm. right you know right. some people wonder like you know what is he going to follow up do the yeah right thing with, yeah absolutely you know I mean? that absolutely an incendiary yeah. film right. you know right. what I mean? um so to follow it up was something that felt so so much um personal mm-hmm. so small so small and and intimate in its story that it really is you know Usually in a Spike Lee movie, yeah, it's about Denzel and the two chicks, but then there are bigger issues. Right, you know, right, there, right, there, right. There's also this, you know, racism. Also, yes, there's also racism and yeah, the white man with this foot on your neck and all that type of stuff. And it, he touched that. There's, there's yeah, touching he touched that. that. But, but for. Sprinkle of anti Semitism. Mm-hmm. For Spike, like you say, it's sprinkles. Yeah. Which is not, you know, Spike He's can be. He's not a sprinkler. Yeah, he can no. be heavy handed <laughs> with no. that salt, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So, so, for, so for it to be so, so smooth, um, that's what I really enjoyed about it. But what, and it probably has been 20 years since I've seen this film. Mm. What I came away watching this film, I felt bad watching this film because man Denzel Washington should have done more comedies <laughs> because there okay. is there's a scene in this mm-hmm. film that may be one of the 10 funniest scenes I've seen in a long time when he is in bed with Clark <laughs> and then it cuts and he's in bed with with indigo mm-hmm. yeah and you know he's going back and forth going back and he, he calls one by the other name mm-hmm. you don't know who he calls what and they all c- coming at him and he is just sitting there looking back and forth at each of them and then looks at the camera at, with the, the camera there, like, like i'm caught it was so funny no he nailed that role oh oh i mean i mean i mean this is this is the the Denzel Washington sex symbol role. Yeah. Like there's a straight line to Denzel. Denzel. Yeah. And Bleak Gilliam. Like it's a straight line. Yeah. And and you know. And it starts with him. I'm sorry to cut you off, but it starts with him the second you see him playing that trumpet. Mm. 
because yep. one, he looks like he's playing the trumpet. Yeah, yeah. he studied. He they studied to. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he he he. It looked. You couldn't tell me he wasn't blowing into that yeah. horn. You know what I mean? And he just he is just owning that stage. Yeah, yeah. He is just. He is just. He is just like as much as everybody talks about how you know how slick Wesley is, and then Wesley does work. Right. Right. Denzel is just owning this this the whole he's just got his strut he had on. the swagger he had the lip you know the this dude with the two fingers yeah yeah, yeah. I was like oh. <laughs> I love this Denzel. movie so much like I don't even know where to like it was weird watching it today because like I was talking we were talking before it's like I barely had to like I took notes just because I take notes but I know this like you said you haven't seen it in 20 years I haven't seen it in maybe five months Okay. Like, wow. like I don't know how many times I've seen this film, and and I'll just say this is I, I thought it was it was good that both of y'all mentioned this is after do the right thing, which you know we talk now and Spike Lee is Spike Lee, and he's got you, you know two dozen, mm-hmm. well not two dozen, but you know almost two dozen films under his belt. Mm-hmm. But it really was this was his fourth film, so yeah. you know he has his first film. You, you know she's got to have it. He has school days where he sort of wrestles with those demons. Mm-hmm. And then he has what people kind of acknowledge almost immediately as this sort of classic American film, Do the Right Thing. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think he's 30 at this point, but barely. Yeah, maybe. And it really was, you know, is he going to Orson Welles out? Like, is this somebody that and 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 he gets this. and, And I think part of what I love about this movie so much is the confidence yeah, that Spike Lee has as a filmmaker, mm-hmm. and how much control he has over. Like you mentioned, the cinematography. I always say that there are two films that I think have the most beautiful depictions of black people that I've ever seen mm-hmm. on film. One of them is Eve's Bayou. Oh yeah, and the other one is this. Yes, like Ernest Dickerson and Spike Lee love. Every single actor in mm-hmm. this film, mm-hmm. and it's just beautiful the way it lingers over all of them. And right at the top, like you said, like like Blake Gilliam is unstoppable. Yeah, like he's actually like a kaiju or something attacking <laughs> New York. Like he is unstoppable. And you know, you we, you know, we call it swagger now, but it really is all of that there. And and I feel like he's sort of the embodiment. Of where Spike Lee is as a filmmaker at this moment, hmm. like you he's know, feeling himself a little bit. He's straight, yeah, feeling himself. Like yeah. you look at the shots, you look at how long he lingers on, like, like the the music scenes. Yes, like how, like how confident are you as a filmmaker that there are like four complete performances mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. film mm-hmm. of dudes just playing who don't really play who the don't music. Really play right, right. Like, you know, the drummer is the only actual musician in, mm-hmm. in the band, but, you know, the rest of them, and, you know, Giancarlo, es- I mean, it's everybody we love, Giancarlo Esposito, Bill, Bill Nunn, Nunn uh, Wesley Snipes, yeah. Denzel Washington. Like, these dudes ain't really playing these instruments. But they're feeling it. They felt it from the beginning. But you know what? Just to take it back, they felt it from the beginning because when the movie starts and it sets that whole scene of how they were friends and yeah. they're running up to the house like, Bleak, you know, come outside. 
and yeah. play. And it's like, he had swagger as a kid, you yeah. know, playing his trumpet. And it was like, you could see, you could see that same chemistry with those, that group of kids. Yeah. And it translated to, like you said, that very next scene, yeah. Bleak playing that trumpet. And it's like, whoa, they grew up. Yeah. And you believed it. Yeah. And, and the scenes of, of the musicians practicing. Mm-hmm. Where where they well not even practice where they have like the band meeting and like they have well, they're the just arguing. backstage they're just backstage they yeah. have the arguing about Lefty's girlfriend mm-hmm. and everything <laughs> it's so naturalistic like it sounds like these dudes like not the not the characters but Denzel Washington and Giancarlo Esposito and Bill Nunn and they were back there just vobbing being yeah. musicians it was a tra- it was a tragic story of musicians and it yeah. that's a real story the late guy. You know, the guy that always brings his girlfriend is not supposed to, <laughs> yes. you know, the show um, off, the show off, that wants the that, grandstander, yeah, right? Like the, the one he who, should be the one running the show. Exactly. Yeah. And then, you know, sometimes and most times, you know, like the bum manager. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's a friend of one I was of about the say, musicians. That's, that's actually your boy. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's yeah. your friend that you're trying to like, because when you start off grassroots, you know, you have your friends like mm-hmm. it. Ha- they happen to be the talent of the group but then usually you know one of your homies would be your manager yeah your, your stylist or yeah. you know whatever what have you it was so believable right it, it says so much about spike lee also as a director at this young age that by now by this time he's worked with bill nunn he's worked with giancarlo esposito they're kind of like in his troop yes you know what i'm saying but you know he's getting to know denzel mm-hmm. um and i think this may have been his first time with wesley Yes, I don't think he's worked. With, he worked with Wesley. Wesley before, Snipes before is not that. in anything. No, before not this. to the next. Not, one. not until the next one. Right. Like, right, because right. this is what gets him into Jungle, Jungle Fever. Fever. Right. Um, but it it but it speaks to how confident he is as a as a director mm-hmm. in taking those those personalities of uh what uh Wesley and Denzel, who even at this point, while they aren't you know the single name superstars that they're destined to be. Mm-hmm. They're feeling themselves. Oh, yeah. They're, they're definitely on that road. Oh, yeah. And to fit them in with his guys. Mm-hmm. Right. So much so that when they, that first scene, when they go backstage and they're arguing about Wesley doing too long of a solo. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's still, but Wesley still is within that, receiving what Denzel's giving him, but still breaking uh, Spike Lee, a.k.a. Giants Balls, right. and all the guys like chiming in. So mm-hmm. it, it's such a good scene right there. Yeah, the chemistry was great. It was, yeah. it was very, you know, sometimes, especially, and I've noticed this too, like with the, um, the, the movies about musicians mm-hmm. and about music, because you have to take on a whole personality anyway when you're playing someone. Right. But to but to act like you have a skill that you just don't have, being a musician it comes with a lot. It's not just playing that instrument. Yeah. It's about the banter mm-hmm. behind the stage and the BS that you know, what you go through and you know, winking at the ladies when you're on stage. Like that's yeah. real stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And they embodied that to the to the minuscule levels, like you know, like to the smallest degrees. Yeah. It was like really and for me, being a musician and being in that arena most of my life and seeing musicians they nailed that yeah wow Wow. and and i appreciate this something that that i always look for in depictions of of black art in particular because they act like 
we're just born out of a pod. We know how to do this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I like it when there's an acknowledgement of how much work goes into it. goes into this. So I love that you saw Bleak practicing, that mm-hmm. you saw the band rehearsing, that you saw everything that kind of goes so that, you know, I, I, I would say that that lends to the authenticity as well. Yeah. Like we just we're not just seeing them on stage in suits. Yeah. Right. You know, you're yeah. seeing the other stuff, too. And his it, character was very dedicated. Oh, yeah. And, oh, that's, yeah. and that's what you have to be. I mean, to his to his detriment, to his detriment. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because there there's authenticity to to a fault mm-hmm. in the scene where Clark is like, you know, coming at his neck because he jumped out of the bed in the middle of the night because, you know, this melody is in his head. Right. And he's trying to get that melody down and she's coming at him. Um, like yo, you know, you can jump in our bed, whatever, whatever, and and without missing a beat. I mean, she's licking in the man's ear, and he does not miss yeah. a beat. He's still on, on trying it. to find that, find that rhythm to the point where, and it's beautiful the way that he does that, oh, yeah. that he shoots Talk this. How she just totally just drowns out, out, and all you hear is him just finding that melody, finding that beat, yeah. finding that beat, finding that beat, and. And that's true because one, to be who he is, that's how you have to be. Right. You have to be at it like that. You've got to be dedicated to it. You've got to be able to turn off the entire world exactly. at right. times. But also, you know, that is who he is. That selfish, selfish, yeah. Jerk, asshole, who you be damned. It's all, it's, it's, all about like finding you know finding this this melody it, being me true to my craft true to my uh, my art you know probably a bleak gilliam apologist <laughs> is he a jerk and an asshole if he tells you up front like one of the things that i that i've always admired about this film is when bleak gets into these arguments with clark or uh-huh. indigo he tells them look this is who i am this is who I was when we got together. Now, this might not be who you need or who you want, but this is who I am. He was very upfront and transparent. I believe he was very transparent about first of first of all, let's backtrack. Any <laughs> woman who's ever dated a musician, if you're listening, you know what if it you is. You don't know. You know what it is as soon as that man gets on stage and you give him your number. You're not the only one. It's plenty of chicks mm-hmm. that he can get with. So either you really love him or you have a motive. Clark had a motive. So you could It was subtle. It was subtle. I mean, yeah. But she yeah. definitely wanted to be on stage. And whether and whether, you know, I could be um, you know, optimistic about her motives and say maybe Bleak brought it out of her. Maybe seeing him on stage and and seeing his lifestyle made, made her, her want to get those that. lessons, right, 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 right. right. Um, but then you have Indigo, who she's a teacher. She has her own life, her own thing going on. But she really like she likes this guy, right, right. You know, I really like you. I don't even come to the club. I'm not a groupie, right. Mm-hmm. It's not my life. And they actually, it's it's funny. You see the pattern that emerges in the scenes between him and each of these women, and mm-hmm. and you know, from the very beginning, he's much more. You know, dare I say, domestic with Indigo? Yeah, he 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 handles her with, you know, golden gloves. Mm -hmm. Clark is like, look, bitch. (laughs) It is what it is. Blue Gilliam does not call her a bitch. 
bitch in this he film. He doesn't call her a bitch. Who haven't seen it. Okay. But if you know me, <laughs> he was saying the bitch. <laughs> you know, no, he Summer was very, is paraphrasing. He was very, no, let me, let me, let me say it. He was very matter of fact. Yes, he was. When he spoke to her. Yes, he was. But with Indigo, he definitely demonstrated that he cared for her. Yeah. And he did not want to hurt her. And he cared if he hurt her feelings. Right. Maybe he didn't want to hurt her, but I think that was for most of the movie or for a lot of the movie, he, he was ambivalent less. about whether or not he would hurt her. Right. 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 I don't want to hurt you. Right. But if it happened, it happened. Remember when Giant was like, remember when you said, yeah. that, like, what's the possibility yeah. that you would have both of these ladies in the same place with the same dress I on? I urged you. And I, I told you. you. You see his face, though? It got real mm-hmm. yeah. fast. $50. <laughs> Give him my $50. $50. But to your <laughs> to your credit to your point, because uh, at that up to that point, you as far as I remember, neither one of them had acknowledged that they knew of the other. Right, right. specifically. Mm-hmm. Right, right, specifically. I think they both realized that. Well, honestly, I got the feeling that Clark realized that there probably is somebody she knew else. What it was. But I also but think part of the reason Indigo didn't go to the club is because it's because she didn't want to she deal, didn't with, it. deal with it. Right, 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 right. But to his to his credit, once they're both there, he sat down with one. Oh, this dude got up, walked across the room this in dude. full view of the other one to sit down with the other. This one. is all I'm going to say. It's a lot of young men in 1990 that, tried that made a lot of bad decisions. <laughs> They had like a little. They had like a little friendship basement, and they said, well, "What would Bleak do? Yeah, right? <laughs> like, Don't how would Bleak kid. handle this situation? Because exactly. again, he he is unstoppable. Think about it. He's bigger than life until he isn't. Until he isn't. No, you're absolutely right. But that I think that that's something that many a successful person mm-hmm. has experienced being coasting up coasting coasting up being able to call the shots being able to say hey i want more money yeah we're we're packing the house um you've got you've got more because of me Mm -hmm. you know whether you're a doctor a lawyer a musician it doesn't really matter a bartender it doesn't matter if you can say because of me your situation is better and you're going up like that something's gotta take you down yeah yeah and just the 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 um the fact that you know Spike was so thoughtful about his name, mm-hmm. and that you keep it up, yeah, your future is bleak. Yeah, how about that? Oh wow, yeah. yeah. But look at but you were talking about how um, Spike's movies were like they dealt with a lot of social issues. Mm-hmm. The social issue, and it, I think it hit me because I am a child of a musician and I grew up in that life. Oh okay, it's just that whole. Culture Kings is a podcast on the How Stuff Works Network, hosted by comedians Jackie's Neal and Edgar Montplacier. Every Wednesday and Friday, these two friends dive into topics ranging from sports, music, to movies, style. They wonder whether or not Donald Glover is a genius or a weirdo. They continuously decipher Kanye West's tweets and behavior. They also have recurring segments like Queen of the Week, The List, and Top Fives like Marvel Movies and Video Games. Listen to Culture Kings and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and find out the best way to eat a taco. Oh, what's the best way to eat a taco? Vince, with your hands? 
with your hands also with salsa on top of everything to hold the ingredients down it's like a layer it's the layer right so that the lettuce doesn't fall off can't have falling lettuce exploitation of the musician and jazz yeah like the exploitation of jazz and the the freaking god-like creativity of our musicianship Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and mo and josh i just wanted to kick them dudes yo Yeah, yeah you know i think one of the critiques that spike lee has gotten you know ironically because we deal with it in everything Mm-hmm. But, you know, you hear about this sort of anti-white or anti-Semitic bias that kind of comes through mm-hmm. in a lot of these, a lot of Spike Lee's films. And, and you know, I think Mo and Josh are anti-Semitic stereotypes. They are like very they much really, so. they like, are very like that, so. like the scene where they're talking about math in money mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. actually cringeworthy. It mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I think that is, that is one of, of Spike's. You know, I always say that's some New York stuff. Like, like whenever when I met people from New York, and they would like they talk, oh, I hate the Irish and I hate Italians. Like, how you break up white people into these little groups that you hate? Mm-hmm. But you know, I think that's very much his some of his New Yorkness. Yeah, that he kind of funnels through where you have this very specific, and I think you know, I think you're right. I think you know our artists have always been exploited. I think our artists are exploited right now but i just think it like you can't go to stereotype like like Mm -hmm. i thought making them specifically jewish was a misstep and so kind of over the top jewish yeah it's it's such an easy like like easy easy kill to do that you know what i mean even though i did appreciate that john tutorial and nicholas tutorial they did all of their scenes with smiles on their face Oh even yeah! When, even when they were talking, like you know, like oh no, 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 we'll just we'll just sue you. Yeah, <laughs> right, 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 right. No, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I, 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 I kind of like yeah. got, got, a, got. A even though he that. lost his smile for like two seconds, he was like, "And then I'll sue your ass, and then yeah, you'll be broke." Yeah, then it got oh, real. It did get real. It did. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, like word. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you know, sure. there's that, and then you know, I think the women are troublesome. I think the women are, you know, are in this film just sort of. As props, almost. Although I have to say, and Lynn and I were talking about this when you were in the other room. I have come to begrudgingly admire Clark's character, and more so that Clark Shadow relationship that comes out at the end. Because okay. much like Bleak never lies about who he is, uh-huh. I don't know if Clark lies about who she is. I don't think she lied at all. And well, when Shadow, well, that's the thing. Nobody lies right. in this movie. And when Shadow makes promises to her, yeah, where you know, I think at the point in the film we're thinking he's just making these promises to get into her pants. Mm-hmm. He keeps all of those yeah. promises. Yeah. He does, and they stay together. Yeah, like you kind of do the chronology, and and you know when 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 Bleak and Indigo get married at the end, it's been two years. At mm-hmm. least since Shadow and um in uh, Shadow and Clark got together, and they're still together. Yeah. So it's like you know maybe they just Taking show pictures next to each other, right? They just showbiz people. Like mm-hmm. this is just a thing. Well, I <laughs> what I liked is that for all the drama between Bleak and Shadow, that is real. Yeah, it, it's real drama. And 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 to be fair, as much as a little bit of a showboat as Wesley Snipes is, mm-hmm. you know, with his saxophone, 
one, you know, the the character Shadow is great with his saxophone. Yes. So it's justified. Mm-hmm. And and two, what he's telling Bleak, he ain't lying. No, he's not. He's nope. being real with him. But as much as they they do bump heads and then actually then you know th- throw throw hands at one another, it is Shadow when Bleak gets beat up. It's the it first one up. to him. Yep. Yes, and the first one's like, "Yo, my friend my is out friend. here." Yeah, you know because he honestly felt one could take a leave Giant. Yes, and yeah. probably rightfully so right. because Giant was he, you know he problematic damaged the relationship. I exactly. Think he got more than- yeah, yeah, because Giant Giant is the problem. But before we leave that scene, you know my favorite little detail of that scene. It's been my favorite little detail. Say I, I, I know what you're going to say. Almost thirty years when he goes down and Bleak is all bloody and he's sitting on a trash. He goes to take out his pocket square. He changes his mind and gets, <laughs> and gets a handkerchief from inside like, his coat. Not messing up my and I said that man. I said, boy, Shadow is real black right now. Yeah. Like, this is some black. Like, I don't know if that's Wesley Snipes. I don't know if that was Spike Lee. But that was a real black quick moment. Like, I'm I'm sad that you've been assaulted and your career might be over. But this is silk. Yes. And I got some napkins from Dunkin' Donuts right. in my pocket. He sure did. He went and pulled out his pocket square and then he put the pocket square back. <laughs> pulled out his handkerchief. Yes. I said, boy, brothers. Yo, that... Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> oh God! I always have to mention that when I talk about Mo Better Blues because that's my favorite yes. little, and it tells you so much it's about it's, Shadow. It's Shadow. Yes, it is Shadow. Because it's not that I don't give him. Well, did right. you see his room? Yes. I mean, did you see his room? It looked like you were at this freaking in Vegas. No, it looked like End of the Dove. That's what it looked like. It looked like End of the Dove. Let's be real. He like, what did he say? He said, I got the Trojans, the ribs, Blue Trojans, with the garden crescent. With the garden crescent, with the receptacle. With the receptacle. His girl studied accounting in college. She counts my jimmies. My jimmies. I've seen this film once or twice. Yes, it was 1990. It was 1990. But he's very meticulous. Yes. Yeah. He's very meticulous. Oh my God. And the subtle, you know what? That was the last um okay, so that was one of the subtlety subtleties that I took from like the, the subtle messages. Mm-hmm. Um Bleak's trumpet. Yeah. He always used it as a shield. Yep. It was always his yeah, how about that? He used it as a shield, which got his lip busted. Mm-hmm. Right? Which was his spiral down. But even um even as a kid, he didn't really like to play it at first, but he would say something smart and put it right to his lips. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, somebody's talking, I'm practicing, put it right to his lips. Yeah. And then with this situation with the guy, you know, um, Sam Jackson, of course. Sam Jackson. Of course. You know, <laughs> with his damn cast on his oh, leg. Oh, my goodness. That's Why is the cast on his leg? I don't know. I don't know. But he's, he's walking perfectly fine <laughs> yes. without the cane. Yeah. But he put that, that trumpet mm. up. And he punched that trumpet, and he's like, give it. And he held it. Mm, like, he's like, no, tough. I'm not giving you my trumpet. Yeah. Took it and busted his his life up with yes, it. Yes, he did. Yes, yeah. he did. His whole life. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Because that scene when he went to try to play again, I cried. That's a tough scene. I cried. And I've actually made my peace with that scene because just sort of logically, I felt like he had been practicing. So why would he be out of breath on the stage like he didn't know he didn't have his breath but i've decided nerves. over the years that it was nerves nerves man you lose your breath with nerves other favorite little detail giant raises his hands says you know i won't sell it bleak i won't 
won't sell it. I won't sell it because he's not gambling anymore. I know, I know, I know. But a year later at the wedding, Giant has a cast on his arm. Exactly. Did you see it? Yeah. Yeah. Who done whipped your ass again? Yeah, I mean, you know, some people. Well, I think one of one of the themes of the film, and and you know, kind of starts with Bleak, is you know, there are people who break the patterns in their life, or there are people that just keep repeating them. And he had to leave Giant alone because Giant is one of those people. But he was a good guy. I mean, and he had a heart. He had hearty care. That's his boy. And that also was um, kind of. The, the the regeneration of the kids. Yeah. My other sort of woman thing that I actually just noticed today. Like like I said, I, I think I sort of like I'm so beaten down by like Spike Lee critics about his women mm-hmm. that like I have bruises on my psyche. So <laughs> so you know it starts with Abby Lincoln playing his mother. She's the hard she's the hard <laughs> ass and you have to practice and this that, and another. And then of course when it flash forwards to to bleak as an adult, she has died. Then you have the other two women and everything that goes along with that. But one thing that I that I loved about the ending this time, and it's the first time I ever noticed it, yes. is that when Bleak, first of all, Bleak is the teacher. Yes, he yes. Is. And when Bleak sends little Bleak, well, Miles, when he sends Miles outside in the scene between Bleak's parents, yes. his dad is watching a baseball game. Right. And his mother is, is just being a shrew. Yep. At the end, Bleak and Indigo are together. And, yeah. they and they look out, the, and they change the dynamic, they and these the two cycle. love each other, and so. And she had a little attitude, but he he checked it, yeah. with love, mm-hmm. like mm, he just got to have some fun. Yeah. With that, with that being said, though, did it ring true to you, um, Indigo taking Bleak back? Boy, isn't that? Boy, can I just tell you the first time I saw it, the very first time I saw this movie, I sat in the theater. It was a sneak preview. University of Maryland, and I sat in the audience, and 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 you know, black people. So this is like, don't take them back, girl. Don't take them. Don't take them back. And I said in 1990, ready for the bleep? You all are so full of right now. If 1990 Denzel Washington with 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 that with, with, with that bleep Gilliam fade, like the bleep Gilliam fade. Came over there and start shooting that bleak Gilliam save my life game. And get out and I'm going to come back. Out of the rain. Which, a little, you, you know, a little Who's assault. You know, in 2000, 2016 eyes, it's like, okay, you, like you, 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 yeah, you not, you doing some rape culture stuff right now. <laughs> but, you know, he's a, you know, save my life. Don't take him. Get, get out of it. Of take course em. you're going to take him back. So, you know, I think it's realistic. What about you, Summer? I think that I think that women are faced with that situation frequently when they break up. If the guy comes back, he still did what he did, mm-hmm. right? And you have to take that into consideration. Mm-hmm. People make mistakes. Can you live with it or not? Mm-hmm. And I think, like I was saying earlier, she genuinely cared for him. Right. And she genuinely loved him. And he... He had some demons he was wrestling with, and I think she was very aware of those things. Mm-hmm. But she also was a little bit hands off, which I liked about her. Mm-hmm. So when he did spiral down, and she, like she said, I wrote you letters, I called you, you didn't respond, she still cared. Right. So for him to come, it's not like she didn't say that. Right. So for him to come back and say, first of all, she called everything he was about to say. Yes. You're here because you can't play no more. 
Yes. You know, no bleak. You know, did you stop at Clark's, Clark's house, house right, before you came here? No, she's with Shadow singing. Yeah. Actually, she lives with Shadow now. Oh. But but she put it all out on the table like, I know you, dude. But she still loved him. And when you love somebody, you take them back. And I think importantly, I th- well, let me just say this. I think she absolutely would have taken him back that night. But I think she stayed with him because he did right. Exactly. Like, there's no indication that he didn't do right. Exactly. He grew a mustache. Yeah. Like, when he grew the mustache, I said, oh, yeah, Bleak is done. Bleak is done. That's true. He's just dad that. right now because he grew the mustache. He grew the thick mustache. <laughs> the mustache said it all. Yeah, it was. It spoke commitment. That, that told, it spoke commitment because mm-hmm. he grew the thick mustache. <laughs> And we're showing little miles the, that you the, need the scissors vowels. for. You need scissors for a mustache like that. It's one of them thick whispers yes. mustaches. Like, yeah, that little comb. Pretty you do, lady. You do that little comb. Like that was like that was a grown man, that was mustache. A grown man mustache. Like those of you in podcast land can't see. Neither Lynn nor I can we don't have no grown man mustache like that. That mustache was real. That that was a real mustache. That it was, was knob, strong. That was a knob. That was a knob. That was a whiskey stash. That was, that was a whiskey right. stash. Like somebody <laughs> asked, wasn't vodka on it. Somebody <laughs> asked him what he want his knob creek mixed with. He say a glass. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Now pour it. I think that the cameos too. Um, that was one thing that I, I don't know. It wasn't even a cameo back then because these were new people. Uh huh. So you talking about um, like you know, the band like and Charlie? Murphy. I about to say Charlie Murphy. Charlie is Murphy, there. yeah, Steve White, and he's very much Charlie exactly. Murphy. And he's very, you know, Charlie he's Murphy. very he's, much one hundred percent Charlie. You know, Charlie Murphy. He, he ain't changed. A day, right, nope. right. Sam, yeah. Charlie. You know, with the with the throwback to the do the right thing role, because Senor Love Daddy is playing on the radio yes. when he gets out the car the yes. first time. Yes, but of all the cameos, that one it touches you right here. Uh uh-uh. Robin Harris. Yeah. yeah. I don't. I don't even care about the pink suit. Yeah. Butter beans. Butter beans. And the thing was, he had died. When the film came out, yeah, yeah right. So it out. really was, it was like really... you were watching him, and and the scene where they have the party, which which you know, like, you know, I got to do the party because like my my mantra, like what I live by my entire life, is in this film. Like my whole approach to black art and commerce is in mm. this film. But at that party, when he breaks up the the the, the argument, argument yeah. between Shadow, like there's so much love in that moment. Mm-hmm. And it is kind of heartbreaking. It's like, oh, Robin Harris. Yeah. Especially because yeah. by this point, he had done that. He did He did the um, really star-making cameo in Do the Right Thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, the album came out. Yeah. And he was on his way. This yeah. was supposed to be yeah. his, yeah, star was his, rising. his little thing. Yeah. yeah, and he had, like you said, showing the whole sets. Yeah. Like they showed a little, you know, a small... Piece yeah. of a stand up yeah. movie. Oh yeah. It I, was good. I feel like I heard a piece of Bebe's kids at a one bit. point. Just a little bit. Like a little peek of Oh yeah. Because yeah. he was still because he was right he was right it was right in that pocket of him blowing up. So yeah. it was that one it was that one album and all the pieces of that that right. he was doing the little bits of in, in the movies, you know, because that's what people wanted him for. Yeah. Yeah. And until he took his next step, which would which would have been on the other side of this movie. Yeah. Right. And that's and right. that's the shame of it. Yeah. 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 Um at at the party when they had an argument and, and you know, like I said, I've act, this is actually Shadow and Bleak. Shadow and Bleak are having an argument about black art. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and and its audience. And like I said, since 1990, I say this at least three times a week where I talk about black arts. And, I say, and when Bleak says, if we had to, we as artists, we as black mm-hmm. artists, if we had to depend on black, black people, people to, to eat, yep. we'd yeah. starve to death. Yep. And to me, that is one of the truest things I've ever heard in my entire life mm-hmm. about black art. And, you know, and that's always been, and, you know, certainly when Spike Lee has this in his film, this is part of Spike Lee's struggle at this moment. Yes, like his is. audience is very much like, you know, black people love Spike Lee. But again, if Spike Lee had to depend on black people to eat in 1990, he'd starve to death. And I love the acknowledgement of that. You know, you talk about the authenticity of of this kind of depiction of the life of the of the musician and the black artist. Like I just love that so much. And like I said, that has always sort of stayed with yeah. me. That that um scene is is very um poignant for me too. Because a lot of times when I was in like I used to sing in a cover band, you you know, hired by ninety nine point nine percent well to do white families. Right. Um or you know, all of the dope MCs that I know that everybody on the corner is talking about and spitting like and all of that. But you go to their shows and they're yeah. like 90% white, Asian. You know, it's like, where is the support? Which is why I did love the film because whenever you looked at the audience at Beneath the Underdog, it was all that. Right. Yeah. 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 It was Dressed all that. to the nines. Dress to the nines. Yeah. That was another key. Dress yeah. to the nines. Enjoying the experience. A night out. Enjoying the experience. And yeah. it looked like it's kind of like a trailer for like right now. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like you would want that to play before any venue commercial. Come on out. Right. You know? Right. Right. And everybody's right. here. Well, this is another one of those films, um, much like Love Jones. And Love Jones is after this. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But, but, like Love Jones, what Love Jones did to the whole poetry set, and then all of a sudden you saw the explosion of that the, across yep. the country. This film kind of like awakened people to the urban jazz scene. Oh, I, most I, definitely. And absolutely, it, and it definitely like like this this film put Warm Daddies here in Philadelphia on the map. Right, you know, right, Zanzibar right. Zanzibar Blue, which was the big spot back in the in in that time, um, and also I couldn't help but feel. There were a lot of parallels in this film, and uh, Superior. Mm-hmm. This film made made Superior to Purple Rain, okay. mm. because of the whole. Because of you know, in that you had Prince the Kid and his his singular mission, his singular mindset in, in regards to his music, mm-hmm. not wanting to hear anybody else's music, not wanting to give anybody else a chance, not caring, even though people are in his ear, right, right, about you know you know, what can make it. Which is what Shadow was saying. Which was what right. Shadow was saying. Wasn't lying. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, there's certainly a lot more nuance and, and and craft to this film. And, you know, and I love myself some Prince, you know, Bill Lee, Terrence Blanchard, mm. this is a lot better music. Because mm. there is there is not a, a bad piece of music. 
bad piece of music in here and you know how i sometimes think that spike lee with bill lee the music can be over the top sure. in his films and sure. too much on top of a scene yeah you know um leading the scene so much in this one it, i it thought great. it was the perfect blend of it it was great it was perfectly done yeah i yeah. really enjoyed it it yeah. set the scene every every piece set the scene i'm sorry every piece set the scene and um um the soundtrack like I know oh, yeah. the soundtrack back and forth. Oh my goodness! Oh, back yeah. and forth, up and down, not because of the movie though, but because it just was good. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. It oh, was yeah. just freaking good. I mean, it was a whole experience. Mm-hmm. It's a whole experience. Like I have a, I have a, a, a photograph book from this movie where you know I think um, Spike Lee's younger brother was taking black and white photos, and mm-hmm. I mean it really was you know kind of like I argued earlier, like Spike Lee is. Like the Spike Lee team, Bill Lee, Ernest Dickerson, Spike Lee himself, the actors are all firing on all cylinders. Like this really. And again, I think you come off and do the right thing and and you have two choices. Like you can try and go bigger, which eventually I think I would argue he does with Malcolm X. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Or you can just do something else. Yeah. Something else. But with all of the skills and the power and the confidence that you've garnered from doing this thing. Mm-hmm. And I I absolutely think that's what happens in this movie. I, I mean, it's, it's, I felt that confidence in the scene, which technically is the first sex scene, even though it's not a sex scene because it's, it's bleak and Clark and she's sitting on his lap and the, it's just spinning. Yeah. Oh, it's just spin- I love it. And kind of blue is playing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh my, my God. God. It's so sexy. Oh, mm-hmm. it's so sexy. It's such. It's such a great, a great scene. And then he ruins it. I, I mean, make my living with my lips. I make. No, he doesn't ruin it. Right. She ruins it. No, she ruins it. Ruins you know it. what's interesting though? This. <laughs> this is the other thing that I noticed this time watching it that I've never noticed before. He is much more trusting with his lips with indigo. Than he is Clark, and and it's right there in the text because Spike Lee sets it up in that scene where he says, you know, don't you know, don't play with my lips. I make my living with the. And the next scene with Indigo is that vampire joke that he's playing with her. Yeah. And then I start looking at it, and it carries throughout the film where where you know Spike Lee has set up from the beginning that if he can't play music, as she asks him, she yeah. Indigo asks him, if you couldn't play music, what would you do? And if he can't play music, he's going to end up with Indigo. Yep. So that's why you got to keep watching these things. Cause you catch <laughs> stuff. But I will say the reason why I say he messed that scene up is because, you know, hindsight. He shouldn't have been with Clark. Right. Clark was a necessary evil for him to get to where he's at now. Okay. Know, and at the, in the movie. But her biting his lip didn't stop him from playing. Right, him getting his face busted off, <laughs> dealing with giant. Yeah, yeah. Got, but him making mountains out of molehills, right? Right. But then not looking at the the big <laughs> elephant in the room, which is giant. Ironically, ironically, yeah, is what killed him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you know, you're blind to that friendship. Again, I th- I think part of the reason you know is sort of the flip side of the Spike Lee in his women critique and his and, and how he doesn't do them that well. I think Spike Lee very much speaks the language of masculinity and i think that is of that that, like that relationship is very much 
a masculine relationship Mm -hmm. where you have this person, you mix up business and pleasure. Everybody like, you know, again, nobody really lies in this film. Everybody tells him giant is going to be the ruination of you. And he says, this is my man now. Like, this is my man. He runs out. Giant's been beat up. What's the first thing he does? You know, this man who for two hours has been telling us that his lips are like diamonds he punches dude like he cold cocks dude yeah which is always so crazy to me that bleak yes. starts the, the fight, fight. yeah because yes. that's my man sitting over there looking crazy so i'm gonna risk it all for my man which shows so destructive so how masculine much he felt about clark and that's what i'm saying it goes back to <laughs> it shows how he really just really didn't care for her right 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 yeah she well. was at peace Peace, uh, hey. peace, peace. Um, see, summer. That's me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> would you recommend that people see Mobetta Blues? I would totally recommend that anyone who has not seen Mobetta Blues should see it. Like, is this a? Is this like an essential? Like they say, like certain black films are like black people homework. Is this black people homework? (laughs) So this is a piece of art. This is a music, a musical kind of classic movie that anybody who loves jazz should see. Just because you love jazz, you're going to hear some great music. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, it is a beautiful thing to look at. It's a great storyline. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of messages. Denzel Washington's in it. I mean, I don't think I should have to say anything else after that, except Denzel Washington is is in it, and um, Wesley Snipes too. Yeah. Say. Yeah, I, I I do have to concur, and I think just like you you say, I think um, the 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 marriage of the film and the music is is very is very striking it's a very gorgeous film um and i think it to me it is one of the most confident films of spike lee's mm. i i think that that ending montage that whole sandwiching in of 10 years of of yeah that was a bit uh, that was a little bit I much that. I, I don't think he knew how to end this film um, I felt like I was watching Lord of the Rings. Like, how many endings are we going to get? But that I notwithstanding, I I I do think this was a, a confident film, and it's you know worthy to be praised. Oh, you know how I feel. You know how I feel. And I actually, I even and, and I actually think the end is one of his more confident endings because he wanted to, he wanted to show the cycle. I think you could have cut so, to the cycle. Well, you had to, you know, show the the, no, the process, no, and and no. you had to show domesticated bleak. Why you would have because seen it the second to, the second you cut to him in the room, teach it, w- with um young Miles. young Miles, Miles, with Miles with the with the trumpet and bleak with the with the whiskey stash. You you I, you're in I domesticated bleak. I think it's bleak. important to show him on the playground with his young family. I think it's important to show his son with his grandfather. Yeah. Like I think all of those scenes build it no. to that moment. You watch his mustache grow. You, you watch his mustache time. grow, you know. It's not a TV series. But yes, yes, I, I honestly I, I I will go so far as to say that I don't really trust people 
who haven't seen Mo Better Blues. Like if so, like you talk to people and people say, "Well, I haven't seen Mo Better Blues." Like, well, what? Have you been to prison? Like, like were you like were you lost in the woods? Like, Did you not have a VCR. Like, what? Why haven't you seen Mo Better Blues? And so, I think that you should see Mo Better Blues if you've never seen Mo Better Blues. And if you've never seen Mo Better Blues. Maybe you should watch it two or three times before you and I talk so that I don't think you're <laughs> <Yes>. shifty. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Summer, thank you so much. Yes, this is a real pleasure. This was fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad. Yeah. Uh, if people are have your dulcet tones in their earbuds, it's like, ooh, I want some more of that Summer Magic. How can they get in touch with you? Oh, word. So if you're looking for me, find me on Instagram, SWF underscore brand. You can go to my website, summerwillow.com, to find out about all the fun things that I do. All right, ladies and gentlemen, um, we are going to be back next week. And next week for the holidays, we are going to be bringing you a review of Ving Rhames. Uh-oh. <laughs> and Holiday Heart. <laughs> <laughs> this is Lynn's choice. Y'all didn't hear. Someone was off the mic. Someone said, are you serious? <laughs> this is your choice, Lynn. Ooh, yes. boy, I love me some holiday heart. Wait, if you were here, you could see Lynn smile. It's like, it's it, bright. It's going to be light. It's going to be a light episode. It'll be a fun episode <laughs> next week on Look the show mission. I cannot wait. <laughs> cannot wait. Just for you. I can't wait. All right, uh, you can check out uh, each and every episode of the Michelle Mission on MichelleMission.com. Email us at MichelleMission at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter at Mission Michelle and find us on Facebook and like us at Michelle Mission. And feel free to subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave a ranking and a rating that helps people find us. You can also find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and every place that good podcasts be, including the Black Tribbles Podcast Network and every Wednesday night, 8 p.m. on your FM dial here on Philadelphia on WPPMLP, People Powered Media 106.5 FM, Philly Cam Radio, bringing it to you, community radio at its best. All right, we got to get out of here. My name is Len for Summer and for Vince. We'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu, it's been a pleasure knowing you, I'll see you when it's time to meet again.